Hello, welcome to The Wire Podcast. I'm Ryan McCrary, and this weekend was an awesome weekend for watching football. We saw some incredible games in both the NFL and college football, and I'm going to be talking about all of it. Starting things off, I'm going to talk about the Miami Dolphins, who have been just incredible offensively to start the year, and they're coming off a historic offensive performance versus the Broncos. I also want to talk about the Chicago Bears, who have had a really disappointing start to this season. They've had some major issues both on and off the field, and I want to talk about all of that. Transitioning to college football, I want to talk about the Colorado-Oregon game. That was a huge matchup that everyone was looking forward to coming into the week. And Oregon just flat out destroyed Colorado. It wasn't even close. It was a very impressive performance from the Ducks. I also want to talk about Ohio State versus Notre Dame. That was the premier matchup in college football heading into the week. And it did not disappoint. It was a lot of fun and it came down to the wire. That's not all I'm going to talk about. I got some more topics I want to dive into. So we got a lot to look forward to. And let's not waste any more time and dive right in. Alright, let's get started by talking about the Miami Dolphins who had an incredible offensive performance versus the Broncos this week. Beating them 70-20. to Yeah. You heard that right. They beat the Broncos by a score of 70-20 to at home. And when you look at the box score, it's, it's mind-blowing. They scored 14 points in the first quarter, 21 points in the second quarter. And at that point, you might expect them to slow down. I mean, that's what normal teams would do, but this is not a normal team. And they did not slow down one bit in the second half, scoring 14 points in the third quarter and 21 points in the fourth quarter. Just an incredible performance scoring-wise. And I want to give a huge shout-out to one player specifically, Devon Achain, who had 18 carries for 203 yards and two touchdowns. He averaged an incredible 11.3 yards per carry in this game. He was awesome. Raheem Moser also had an awesome game um, rushing-wise. He had 13 carries for 82 yards and three touchdowns and averaged 6.3 yards per carry. Overall, the Dolphins' rushing attack was incredible in this game. They had 43 carries for 350 yards and 5 touchdowns. And it's not like their passing attack wasn't awesome as well. It was. They had 376 passing yards and 5 passing touchdowns. Just a ridiculous offensive performance from the Dolphins, winning 70-20 to at home. And they were so close to breaking the scoring record. They were just three points away. And they had a, a they had an opportunity to kick a field goal at the end of this game. But they decided to just kneel the ball instead and walked away with a 50-point victory. It was awesome. Tyreek Hill was super productive. Tua Tungo-Vailoa had an awesome day. It was just a wild performance from their offense. And this is what they've been doing all year long. Their offense has been ridiculously productive this year. They have been the most productive offense in the league. And no one come close. Like, you cannot make an argument that another team has been better offensively than the Dolphins. You just can't. The Dolphins have been on another planet offensively this year. And they've been really good both passing and rushing. Like, they have the best passing attack in the league right now. And their run game is not far off. 
There are some other teams you could argue have been more productive rushing-wise than the Dolphins, but you could also argue that the Dolphins have been the best rushing uh, game, have the best rushing game in the league right now. I think they're averaging the most rushing yards in the league and the most yards per carry. It's crazy. I think there's one team that's averaging more EPA per per rush attempt. It's just it's it's unreal how good they've been offensively. And they were nowhere near this good offensively last year. Like, Mike McDaniel has been in the lab uh, during the offseason and early on this year. I mean, he he has been cooking. He's He's been awesome. Their offense has been great. Tua is playing at an MVP level right now. He's been great. The run game's been awesome. I don't know what they did to, to get this good offensively. I don't know what's happening from a play-calling perspective. But they're doing something right, and they have become unstoppable offensively. This upcoming week, they're playing the Bills. That'll be a big test because the Bills are really good defensively, and they're just a great team all around. So if the Dolphins can can beat the Bills, that'll be a big test, and if they're able to, to beat the Bills, that'll be huge. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to see to see that game next week. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a cool matchup. Um, you got two heavyweights going up against each other, and that'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, the Dolphins, they've been incredible offensively this year, and I can't wait to see if they can continue performing at this level on that side of the ball. Now let's move on, and let's talk about the Chicago Bears. This past week, they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was ugly. Like, it, it was not pretty one bit. I'm pulling up the box score here. So they lost... By 41, was that right? Let me see. Yeah, they lost 41-10 to 10 on the road. They were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was a rough game for them. The Chiefs were up 41 to nothing at one point, and their offense continues to struggle this year. It's been rough for them for the first three weeks of the season. They just haven't been able to get anything going offensively. Justin Fields has struggled. Their offensive line has struggled. And it's just been ugly. And their defense has been bad as well. And to make matters worse, Taylor Swift was at Arrowhead this weekend to watch them play. This is like such a weird thing. So Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are reportedly dating. That's why she was at the game. She was in Travis Kelsey's suite with his mom cheering on the Chiefs. And I'm not sure that it gets any worse than that. Your team is already struggling. And then you have Taylor Swift in attendance. And you know that the Taylor Swift fans are insane. The Swifties are nuts. So you got Swifties watching football now for the first time in their lives. And you got that. Like, it, it's, it's, it's a rough time for, for Bears fans. So if there are any Bears fans listening to this podcast, watching the podcast on YouTube, this is a safe space. We're here for you. Let it all out in the comment section. We got you. Like, we're here. We're here to support you in this tough time. I know it's difficult, but listen, you got you got a place where others will listen to your pain. We're here for you. But yeah, and the Bears, I said in the intro that they that they have had some major issues on and off the field. I've talked about their on-field issues. They just haven't been able to do anything offensively, especially through the air. Their offensive line is really struggling in pass protection. And Justin Fields just has not taken that next step as a passer. And then they have some major issues off the field. 
So last week, it was reported that Alan Williams had his home raided by the FBI, and he also resigned as the mayor's defensive coordinator. He released a statement about it, and this was really interesting because there was a lot of information being reported on Twitter that turns out was not true. Like, it was reported that the FBI raided both his home and his office. That's not true. They did not raid his office. They just raided his home. And it was also reported that Charlie Tillman, who now works with the FBI, used to play quarterback for the Chicago Bears. It was reported that he was the one who told the Bears coaching staff and their front office about the situation. That's not true. And it was reported that this incident, um, whatever whatever Williams was being investigated for, um, had something to do with children. You can guess what what that is uh, about. Um, and it's not been, you know, confirmed that that's what it's about. I don't know what it's about. It, this whole situation has been weird. I mentioned that Alan Williams re- uh, released a statement. And in that statement, he said that he was stepping away from the game of football to focus on his family and his health. Um but it was already announced that he had been raided by the FBI, that his home had been raided. And so I thought that was weird. Like, why release a statement saying that if the FBI has already raided your home? I mean, you might as well just, like, not say anything or just be like, yeah, I screwed up. Um, so I thought that that was weird that he released released a statement saying that he was stepping away from the game of football to, to be with his family when it was, like, pretty obvious that that's not the case, or at least based on the information that was being reported at that time. Um, so you have that going on. I don't want to talk about that anymore just because we don't ha- have all of the information. The investigation is still going on, so I'll talk about that on the podcast once we get some more information. But that's not the only off-the-field issue they have. Justin Fields was asked in a press conference or in an interview Um, in the locker room last week about the issues with the offense, about his struggles. And and he came out and said that it was the coaching. Um, I can't remember what he said specifically, but at one point he was like, yeah, and coaching is part of it. Um, And it sounded like he was blaming the coaches, and honestly he was. And he came came back later than another press conference um, and said that the media took his words out of context Shocker, they did not. They did not take his words out of context whatsoever. He just flat out said that the coaching was also an issue, basically blaming the coaches, um, saying that they played a part in their struggles. Um, and he was saying that, that the <laughs> the media was taking his words out of context, which was I thought was funny. Um, but yeah, so you've got Justin Fields blaming the coaches. you got coaches being investigated by the FBI for possibly being involved with children in some way. You have both their offense and their defense just absolutely sucking. It's been a rough start to the year for Bears fans, and I do not envy you. Um, it, it's, been, it's been rough for y'all. Um, y'all might, hey, at least y'all might get a chance to draft Caleb Williams. That's some, you, when, when life throws, throws some trials your way, you have to look at life glass half full. You gotta be optimistic about it. So, hey, at the end of all this, you may get Caleb Williams. So there's that. But yeah, it's been a rough start, uh, start to the season for the Bears. And they've been awful both on and off the field. But yeah, now let's move on and talk about the Chargers-Vikings game. This was a lot of fun. The Chargers 
Um, both the Chargers and the Vikings came into this game 0-3, and the Chargers were finally able to get a win, winning 28-24. This game came down to the wire. I'm not going to do a deep dive on this game. We just don't have time for that. But I do want to talk about Justin Herbert's performance. He was awesome in this game. Um, he had 405 passing yards, 3 passing touchdowns, and 0 interceptions, and just 1 sack. That's awesome to see. He was great. And I thought that his performance was even more impressive when you consider that their run game was not effective whatsoever. They had 15 carries for 30 yards. That's 2 rushing yards per carry. And they had 0 rushing touchdowns. Their run game was not effective whatsoever in this game. Gotta give a huge shout out to Keenan Allen, who had over 200 receiving yards in this game. He caught 18 passes for 215 yards, didn't catch a touchdown, but still, that, that kind of production is incredible. Mike Williams also had a great day. He had 7 catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL and he is out for the year. That's sad, and that really hurts the Chargers' offense. But yeah, he had an awesome day today, um, or not today, but this weekend. Um, what, what a performance from him. The Vikings were pretty good offensively as well. I mean, Kirk Cousins had 367 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and a pick. Um, Justin Jefferson was really productive, had seven catches for 149 yards and a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson also added eight catches for 78 yards. Like I said earlier, this game came down to the wire. Um, and at the end of this game, the Chargers had the ball on their own, I think, 20-yard line. They were deep in their own territory and had a fourth and one, and they went for it because they were up four points. It, there was less than, a, less than two minutes to go in the game, and the Vikings didn't have any more timeouts. So if they got the first down, the game was over. And they decided that the risk was worth it. They were going to go for it. Unfortunately, they did not get it. But it didn't really matter because the Vikings were not able to score on the following drive. So the Chargers were able to walk away with a victory. Also, huge shout out to Kenneth Murray, who had a game-ending interception at the end of this game. Shout out to him. He has really struggled this year, but had a nice moment at the end of the game. So shout out to him. And shout out to Chargers fans. I know... This has been a wild a wild ride so far this year. The Chargers have just been awful defensively. Offensively, they've been awesome. Their offense has been one of the best in the league. Justin Herbert has been playing at a ridiculously high level. Um, and their run game at times has looked really good. But their defense has been awful. And that's a big reason why they were 0-3 coming into this game. And for Vikings fans... It's been really rough. Um, they're 0-3 with some really bad losses. Like, they lost to the Buccaneers in Week 1. They lost this game, which this is a terrible loss. But still, after winning 13 games last year, I know the Vikings really wanted to win this game specifically. Um, the Chargers are another team with a, a really good offense and a really bad defense. Um, and for the Vikings to get back on, tra back on track, they needed to win this game. And they've got to figure things out. Like, their defense has been really bad. Their run game hasn't been very effective. Um, their their passing attack has been awesome. They have one of the, the best passing attacks in the league right now. But they're just a little too one-dimensional at the moment. And they've got to figure that out. Or else, this is going to be a really rough year for them. I'm not surprised that their record 
isn't as good as it was last year. That's no surprise to me or really anyone. I mean, I think it was pretty clear last year that the Vikings' record was a lot better than the team actually was. They got lucky in one-score games, um, in one-possession games. I think they won every one-possession game they had last year. And, and this year, they, they are 0-3 um, in, in one-possession games because all of their games have been one-possession. Hopefully, that they get they get a little bit lucky with that. Maybe it regresses to the mean there, and they are able to win some one-possession games. I think they've been a little unlucky in that department. But still, they got to figure things out defensively. Their run game has to be better. I know they traded for Cam Akers about a week ago. Maybe that will help their rushing their run game. Um, but whatever they have to do, they got to do something about their team because they are too one-dimensional at the moment. They are too reliant on their passing attack to win them win them games. And they're they're a solid team. They're not an amazing team or anything, but uh, they are a talented team, especially on offense. So hopefully. Their run game gets to a point where their offense can carry them to some victories here. But yeah, now let's move on. Actually, before I move on to college football, let's do a little a little recap of some other games in the NFL from this week. There were some other NFL games I wanted to just mention. So um, let's go ahead. Lions beat the Falcons 20-6 at home. That was an awful performance from the Falcons offensively. The Browns continue to roll, beating the Titans 27-3 at home. They are 2-1, and and their defense has been unreal. The Packers beat the Saints 18-17 at home. They were down 17-0 going into the fourth quarter, and they were able to win. The Bills dominated the Commanders 37-3 on the road. After a, a bad loss to the Jets in Week 1, the Bills have quietly been one of the best teams in the league this year. They've been awesome. The Texans beat the Jaguars 37-17 um, on the road. Huge win for the Texans. And the Jaguars, they continue to struggle offensively. The Colts got a big win versus the Ravens 22-19 on the road without Anthony Richardson. That was an awesome win for them. And they are now 2-1 on the season. The Seahawks um, beat the Panthers 37-27 at home. Solid win for them. And the Cardinals shocked the world, beating the Cowboys 28-16 at home. They just straight up dominated the Cowboys. That was an awesome win for them and a rough performance from the Cowboys offense. And then last night on Sunday Night Football, the Steelers beat the Raiders 23-18. There was a controversial coaching decision from... um, Josh McDaniels, the Raiders head coach, he was down, the Raiders were down eight late in the game, and they were inside the 10, um, and there was about two minutes left in the game, and they decided to kick the field goal to go down five points. Um, they should have gone gone for it on fourth down there. They were It was fourth and goal. They were inside the 10. They had a chance to tie the game there, um, and they elected to go to go for three um, to make it a five-point game, and they would have to get a stop on defense, get the ball back, and score. They did end up getting the stop on defense, but they weren't able to do anything on offense, and they turned the ball over. Um, But a lot of people were criticizing them for kicking the field goal instead of going for the touchdown um, and to possibly tie the game right there because even if you don't get the touchdown, you're still down eight. You still got to get a stop. Um, and if you get a stop, you get the ball back, and you can try to score and go for two. Again, you get two opportunities there. Um, so, yeah, that was a really weird decision from, from Josh McDaniels, and the Raiders ended up losing. 
But yeah, so that's the NFL recap. Now we can move on. Talking about some college football here. Starting out with Colorado versus Oregon. This was a really hyped up matchup going into the week. Um, you had two uh, really good Pac-12 teams um, in this really, really good top 25 matchup. And this was not a good game. It was a good matchup between two top 25 teams, but the game on the field was not good whatsoever. Oregon beat Colorado 42-6. Oregon's defense was spectacular in this game. Colorado could not run the ball whatsoever. Their passing attack was really quiet, and they took a lot of sacks. And that's something that Shador Sanders has struggled with all season long. Um, he, he has really struggled with avoiding sacks this year, and Oregon made him pay for that. And Oregon's offense played extremely well. They were able to run the ball at will in this game. I'm going to pull up the mock score because their running back was really productive during this game. Let's see. Let's see. Um, so Bucky Irving in this game had 10 carries for 89 yards. Um, he was really productive. Jordan Games also added 7 carries for 54 yards and a touchdown. Um, Noah Washington added 8 carries for 45 yards. So they, they uh, leaned on a couple different guys in their run game. And overall, they had 38 carries for 240 yards, 6.3 yards per carry, an excellent mark, and 3 rushing touchdowns. They were also pretty productive through the air. They had 282 passing yards, 3 passing touchdowns, and a pick. Um, and Troy Franklin had a big day through the air. Um, he's a receiver for the Ducks. He had 8 receptions for 126 yards and 2 touchdowns. Like I said, Colorado was not very productive through the air. Their offense was really, really quiet. And the Ducks, they dominated. Um, and this was a personal game for them. Um, and Dan Lanning, their head coach, had a really interesting pregame speech in the team's locker room um, that was recorded, I think, by ESPN um, and published. And so, before the game, Oregon's head coach, Lanning, was, uh, told the team, hey, we're playing for wins, they're playing for clicks, the Cinderella story stops now, um, this game is not played in Hollywood, it's played on the field, just saying stuff like that, like basically saying that Colorado wasn't playing for wins, they were playing for recognition, um, and a lot of people were talking about that, and I, I thought it was fine. I mean, you're just he's just trying to hype up his team, trying to get them motivated to play in, the, in this big game versus another conference opponent. I did think that what he said was not based in reality. I mean, Colorado is playing for wins. To say that they are not playing for wins or not playing to win games is crazy. Because last year, they won just one game all season. They were probably the worst team in college football last year. And now they're 3-1. and one. They are so much better than they were a year ago. Like, they have literally tripled their win total from a year ago. And they are just four games into the season. So to say that they are not playing to win games is kind of a wild statement. I get that Dan Lanning was just trying to motivate his team. So I'm not going to criticize him for what he said. But I just thought that was interesting. And when you actually look at what he said and, and consider it for a moment and think about it, it's like, you know, actually Colorado is playing for wins. Like they are very much playing for wins. This is a winning team that is winning games unlike they were a year ago when they were one of the worst teams in the league. Thought that was interesting. And another thing I thought was interesting was seeing how critical people on social media have been 
of Colorado. The hatred that people have for Colorado and Deion Sanders is insane. I mean, it is unreal. I think this team is a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed watching them. And yeah, they have their flaws. Their defense isn't good. Their quarterback is really talented and has put up a lot of big numbers, but he takes a lot of sacks. Um, and, and like, they're a fun, a fun team to watch. They're a fun but flawed team to watch. And I think it's fine to criticize them on the field. But it seems like a lot of, a lot of people on social media are rooting for this team to fail. And I don't know why. Um, like, I get that they're a flashy team. They, they're a good team that may think they're better than they are. But, like, I don't, it's just, it's just weird. I get a weird feeling when I see the amount of hate that people have for this team. Um, and it's just weird. It's really weird. Um, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, accuse anyone of anything. But it is kind of odd that people are, have this much hate and criticism for Deion Sanders and for this team. And it's weird that people are rooting for them to lose so much. It's, it's kind of odd. I just find that interesting. Um, cause in my opinion, this team is fun. I mean, this team has made college football even, even better this year. They have been must watch football every week. And I think that's good for the sport. I think it's good for college football. Um, and I think that Deion Sanders has done a lot of great things for Colorado for this program. I mean, they are in a much better spot now than they were a year ago. And so I, I, I gotta give a a round of applause for him. I mean, I think, I think he has done a lot of great things for Colorado this year. Um, and to see people criticize him so much kind of stinks. Um, so yeah, now we can move on and talk about the biggest matchup in college football from week four. And that was Ohio State versus Notre Dame. And in this game, Ohio State was able to take down Notre Dame on the road, winning, I think it was 17 to 14. Um, this was an awesome game. Um, this was a huge matchup going into the week because both teams were ranked top 10. And this just was a game that had a lot of uh, playoff implications. And it was a really close but boring game for most of the first half. Ohio State was up 3-0 at halftime. And both defenses were playing extremely well. And then things got going in the second half. At one point, Ohio State was up 10-0 in the second half. And then Notre Dame stormed back, responded with two touchdowns to go up 14-10. And then at the very end of the game, Ohio State had one last chance to possibly win the game. They were in the red zone and they got inside the five yard line with just with under a minute left, with under a minute to go in the game. They had one last opportunity to win the game. Um, and they were able they had one last play. They ran the ball up the middle, got into the end zone, and won the game. And it was actually really interesting because at the end of the game, on the last two plays where Ohio State was on the goal line, Notre Dame only had 10 players on the field, which is a huge disadvantage for them. And on the very last play, where Ohio State ran the ball up the middle and got into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown, they only had three down linemen, and they were missing a down lineman on the left side of the line. And that is where Ohio State ran the ball, and they got in, and they barely got in. I mean, they barely got over the goal line. So if Notre Dame had that one defender, that one defensive lineman on the field for that last play, there's a chance they get a stop and get a huge win. 
not going to lie, I was kind of pulling for Notre Dame in this game just because everyone loves to crap on Notre Dame. Um, and I, I said before the game that, like, I knew why, I knew, um, local radio in my hometown on Friday nights doing high school football coverage, and we were talking about this game, and I said that I thought Notre Dame had a good chance to win this game, and I thought they would make it close, um, and my co-hosts were like, nah, it's Notre Dame, like, they never win big games, and I was like, listen, like, this is a different Notre Dame team, a different Notre Dame team, they're really good on defense, they have a good quarterback in Sam Hartman, and Ohio State hasn't been as impressive to start the year as I expected. Um, so I thought that Notre Dame had a chance to win this game. And so I was kind of hoping that it would pull it out in the end, but they didn't. So shout out to Ohio State. They came through um, in the end. And they had some really good performances from Travion Henderson, who had over 100 yards rushing. Amika Ekbuka was incredible in this game. He had seven catches for 96 yards. Um, so Ohio State had a few players on their offense that came through. But yeah, this was a really good defensive battle from both of these teams. I was really impressed. Um, although Notre Dame lost, I thought they were awesome in the second half. Um, coming back down 10 to nothing versus Ohio State is hard, uh, but they were able to do that, and they were one play away from winning this game. So shout out to both teams. This was a great matchup, a lot of fun. Um, and that was the, the best game or the biggest matchup from week four in college football. I want to close out the podcast by talking about Florida State versus Clemson. This was a huge matchup. Um, and it was it came down to the wire. This game actually went into overtime. And Florida State was able to beat Clemson 31-24. to I got to give a huge shout out to Clemson. After having a really bad loss to Duke in week one and getting destroyed, I thought that they were going to have a pretty rough season, but they came into this game and they gave Florida State all they could handle. They put up a huge fight and they honestly likely would have would have won this game except for this big play in the second half where Florida State sent a blitz and they got a big sack. And not only that, they forced a fumble. Um, they were able to pick it up. They got a scoop and score on that play. And at that time, they were down seven points. So that scoop and score tied the ball game. And that was a huge momentum-changing game, uh, or a huge momentum-shifting play, I should say. Excuse me. Um, and that really changed the tide in this game. Florida State was able uh, to come through in the end. And at the end of this game, Clemson had a chance to kick a field goal uh, to go up three points. Um, but unfortunately, they missed the field goal. It was a short field goal, too. It was only a 29-yard field goal. They missed it. Florida State got a chance to possibly take the lead at the end of the game. They were unable to do so, and Clemson actually got a, another opportunity to possibly win the game, and they couldn't. They couldn't get in position uh, to score, and so the, the, this game went to overtime. Florida State got the balls first in overtime, and they came came away with a big throw through the air. Keon Coleman had a had this like insane catch in the end zone um, to put Florida State up seven points. Clemson got the ball back, and this is where things got really crazy for Clemson. They had some really bad play calling in overtime. They were facing a thirty-one in overtime, um, and they threw the ball, and then that brought up a fourth and one. And once again, they threw the ball instead of running the ball on third on on third and fourth and short, which was really interesting. 
Um, and both passes were incomplete on third and fourth and one, and that ended up losing the game for them. So missed opportunity there, missed opportunity with the field goal at the end of regulation. It was just uh, an awesome performance from Clemson, but they didn't come through when they needed to. They had some missed opportunities in this game, which it sucks for them, but big win for Florida State. And I'm not going to lie, I have not been very impressed with Florida State the last couple of weeks. Coming into the year, I thought they had a chance to be a legitimate championship contender. Um, And they had a huge win in Week 1 versus LSU. But they just haven't been very impressive the last couple of weeks. I've been really disappointed by them. Um, And they are not playing like a championship caliber team would. Um, Or at least, I don't think they've been playing at that level. So hopefully, they can, you know have some more dominant performances moving forward through the rest of the year because they're a really talented team on both sides of the ball. I think they're really good, and I think they can win the national championship, but they gotta be, they got to be better than they've been the last couple of weeks. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have for today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed that, and I hope you had a good time watching football this past weekend. I can't wait for the upcoming week and to watch some more football. But yeah, that's all I have for today's episode. Hope you all enjoyed it. And I will see y'all next time. Peace.